Universities New Zealand Executive Director Chris Whelan joins us now. Kia ora, Chris. Did you see this coming? Uh, kia ora. Uh, look, this has been something that's been happening across the university sector um, really for the last three or four years, partly COVID, but also partly long-term um, government funding settings. Are any others that are in such dire trouble? Look, all of them are dealing with um, uh, challenges around basically making their books balance. Uh, it's certainly worse in some universities than others. So eight universities around New Zealand, um, five have certainly seen a drop in student numbers this year. Um, all are still rebuilding their international student pipelines. Um, and all of this is on the back of uh, really what's been a long-term decline in funding per student from the government. Chris, is this the first domino to fall? Do you anticipate that we staff redundancies at other universities that are struggling? Well, look, that's already happening. So uh, there are already uh, restructurings going on or planned at around five different universities. Some of them have been uh, small-scale ongoing changes, uh, but every university has been having to deal with um, you know, things like drops in student numbers, international student numbers in particular, over the COVID period. And our biggest challenge is that 77% of our funding is controlled by government or comes from government. Uh, and this year, uh, that funding's only increased by 1.6% against, obviously, much higher inflation rates. So this is, and this has been happening for a good number of years now, with increases well below CPI. So all universities have had to be, make these decisions around, you know, uh, slowing down capital programs, you know, cancelling building projects, uh, and looking at staff numbers. Okay, so government funding for the universities is an issue. When it comes to students, why don't domestic students want to go to university at the same rates that they used to? Well, they do. Uh, What we're seeing, however, is a couple of factors like demographic change. There are fewer 17-year-olds coming out of school at the moment than was the case, say, uh, five or six years ago. And those numbers will increase again. Uh, In fact, we'll start seeing an increase in 2026. Uh, But we're also seeing students that, um, you know, uh, going overseas to do their studies, which is what used to happen pre-COVID. So about 2,000 students every year would leave school, go to Australia, the UK uh, or the US. And um, those students, of course, didn't go overseas during COVID, but they started going overseas again this year. Yeah, but that begs the question of how universities are getting their forecasting so wrong then when they know we're out of COVID and presumably things will start to equalise back to how they were before COVID. Are there students, and Otago University has said that um, there are students who are not getting, fewer students getting university entrance, more being attracted by the job market. And I'm wondering if there is a shift in thinking about the value of a general degree. Uh, We're not seeing that at any scale. But on the flip side, our, our problem is, of course, it's very hard to talk to the students that don't turn up. <laughs> we, we can survey and talk to, our, talk to the students that enrol, uh, but often if we don't know that a student you know, was interested and didn't come, you know, it, it's very hard for us to go and find them to talk to them and ask what's going on. What we do know is we're seeing trends like, uh, and we, you know, we assume it's cost of living, some of our, say, mature part-time students uh, either deferring study, so they're not continuing, or where they might have done, say, two papers a semester, they've dropped back to just one paper. And we're guessing a lot of that is just cost of living. How off-putting has the COVID experience been in terms of retaining students? You know, some students might have done a year or two years and then after COVID they haven't bothered coming back. It's been a factor, um, but it's been particularly a factor for uh, school students whose studies were significantly disrupted by closed downs. And... um, 
you know, we know that there are a lot more students trying to get to university who perhaps are not as academically prepared as they might have been um, pre-COVID. Uh, and so universities are having to put a lot more support into you know, getting these students into university and making sure they're properly supported through first year. So, Chris, with potentially several hundred staff going from Otago University, what capacity is there for redeployment around other um, institutions around the country? Well, that's the question, because, I mean, there are similar pressures at most other universities. Um, you know, the university sector, its greatest asset is its people, um, you know, for teaching and research. The problem is that 60% of the cost of universities is people as well. And, you know, when you have to balance the books, unfortunately, people are, people are one line you have to look at pretty closely. Every university wants to retain good people because, you know, we know that the numbers will come back eventually. So it's about keeping as many as possible, losing as few as possible. What happens to that kind of institutional knowledge and experience and the way our universities are ranked and viewed if you lose those staff on a more permanent basis, not just from Otago, that they go away somewhere else? And that's something we're very worried about. Uh, All eight of our universities are world ranked, uh, all in the top 500 in the world. Uh, That's because we've been able to hold on to fantastic people over a long period of time. We have the best graduate employment rates, the lowest graduate underemployment rates of any country we know of. And again, that's people. So, yeah, it's a big worry, you know, about what exactly our system's going to look like in five or ten years' time, you know, if we have to make this, these short to middle-term decisions, what it's going to mean for our long term. Has Otago got assets it can sell? Uh, I can't answer that. That's really a question for Otago. Uh, But every university has a whole range of choices, everything from uh, borrowing, selling, um, slowing down expenditure, uh, you know, uh, things like voluntary redundancies as is being talked about. And all universities are exploring all of those options. I understand the difficulties that Otago has faced and that they've um, articulated, but $60 million isn't a hole. It's an absolute gaping crater. So do you think there's some mismanagement here, Chris? Uh, Having sat alongside the chief financial officers of the eight universities uh, regularly over the last few years, I know that every chief financial officer worth their salt runs a whole range of scenarios. They have to take university councils, uh, the governing bodies, basically through those scenarios. And those councils have to, you know, with advice from their senior leadership teams, make some sensible calls around what are the likely futures look like. That's very clearly what the University of Otago has worked through, and that's the conclusion they've come to based on the numbers they've got. Thanks for joining us, Chris. That's Chris Whelan, who's Universities New Zealand Executive Director there.